Now, a year ago this week, uh, America and indeed the rest of the world watched agog as a mob of several thousand people that had assembled around Donald Trump giving his final rally before finally uh, handing over power to um, President Biden stormed the U.S. Capitol and wrecked the place. Um, several police officers died in the, pro- in the, in the, in the course of the attack. A uh, protester died as well. Since then, hundreds of people have been arrested. It was a real crisis for American democracy because not just was this a mob that had got out of hand, but there was an attempt, it appears, to overturn the course of democracy, to overturn the legitimate result of a democratic election um, that had been held at the beginning of November, as it always is in the United States, in which D- Donald Trump received a record number of votes, but was beaten by a man called Joe Biden, who is now the president of the United States. And I think in the interim months, it has become absolutely clear that American democracy, the gold standard of democracy, something which we'd all taken for granted would, could, could never be assailed, could never be corroded, could never be overturned, came perilously close to to being removed, to being scrapped. The question a year on is, is that still the case? Is American democracy still in peril? Now, let's just listen to what uh, President Joe Biden had to say, very much taking aim um, at the protesters and at the man who allegedly uh, egged them on, Donald Trump. And he was standing, by the way, in the same part of the U.S. Capitol, which was mobbed by 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 the crowd a year earlier. Listen. Destroying property literally defecating in the hallways, rifling through the desks of senators and representatives, hunting down members of Congress. Those who stormed this Capitol and those who instigated and incited and those who called on them to do so held a dagger at the throat of America, at American democracy. They didn't come here out of patriotism or principle. They came here in rage. President Biden is speaking about the events that transpired in the Capitol a year ago. It was one of the strongest speeches I've ever heard him give. He sounded um, angry. It was contained anger, but it was anger at what could possibly, how this could possibly have happened to a country that prides itself on being the greatest democracy in the world. Well, who better to reflect on events this week uh, than Simon Marks, LBC's Washington correspondent, Thank you, Simon, for getting up early. You're very welcome, Matt. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. It's good to speak to you. Um, and to you. I mean, you know, it's amazing that events transpire in such, a, such an extraordinary speed these days and we get used to them very quickly. You know, the, as, as Dostoevsky once said, the tragedy is that you get used to stuff. But this was an extraordinary event, was it not? Uh, It was uh, an utterly extraordinary event and uh, so extraordinary that you even heard before Joe Biden spoke there uh, on Thursday, Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States, suggesting that January the 6th now stands alongside uh, Pearl Harbor and 9-11 as a third sort of date that will live in infamy in the United States. Uh, Joe Biden in his speech uh, excoriating the demonstrators and the riots 
Conservatives said that they uh, disgraced uh, the legacy uh, of American patriots who had fought at Lexington and mm. Concord uh, on Omaha Beach. I mean, they were really trying to frame this on Thursday in historic terms. And I think that the more time passes between the events of January the 6th last year uh, and the present, the less Americans have focused on just what a shocking event mm. it was. If you've relived those pictures and those sounds over the last few days, this was an an absolutely mm. clear-as-mud attempt to halt American constitutional democracy in its tracks to overturn the outcome of uh, a presidential mm. election. And so Joe Biden had to present this, not just in terms of history, but in terms of the threat that he says still exists to American democracy. Take a listen to this section of the speech where he says the United States is at an inflection point. We must decide what kind of nation are we going to be? Are we going to be a nation that accepts political violence as a norm? Are we going to be a nation where we allow partisan election officials to overturn the legally expressed will of the people? Are we going to be a nation that lives not by the light of the truth, but in the shadow of lies? And the mere fact that he had to present those choices to the American public is reflective of where America still is today. There's been polling in the last 10 days that shows more than 30% of American voters across uh, across all uh, sides and more than 70% of Republican voters believe that Joe Biden's an illegitimate president. Mm. They buy the idea that the 2020 election was rigged and even more worrying for not just the White House but political analysts across the board here, more than 30% of voters now say that violence is sometimes the answer mm. if you've got a problem with your government. That that's a very worrying place for America to be. To put it mildly, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned the dates of 9-11 and Pearl Harbor and the January the 6th that should join that, that, that group. The difference is that it, the vast majority of Americans agree about 9-11 and Pearl Harbor, but yeah. as you just said, they don't agree about January the 6th. It seems extraordinary to me that that is still the case. What's going on there? What's going on that more than, I mean, some opinion polls have it at 40%, that between 30 and 40% of Americans believe that this election was over was was illegitimate that well, biden stole it what what's going on is a fracturing of the american polity i mean you have relentless efforts and they took place in three separate statements issued in 36 hours on thursday and friday by former president donald trump to continue uh, claiming that the real insurrection did not play, take place on january the 6th it took place on election day, the previous November, he told his supporters in the immediate hours after Joe Biden finished making his speech, never forget the crime of the 2020 presidential election, never give up fighting. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden had two things to do in that speech. And really, a year ago, casting forward to it, he only planned to do one of them. Uh, he had 
to present to the American public the need uh, to try and find a way back from the misinformation that they are wallowing in in their own uh, respective echo chambers on both the right and on the left. But what he really didn't want to have to do is what he spent so much time in that speech attempting to do, which was to justify his own legitimacy as President mm. of the United States and to deal with the man whose name he would not articulate during his speech, but about whom it was absolutely directly clear he was speaking. He's not just a former president. He's a defeated former president. Defeated by a margin of over 7 million of your votes in a full and free and fair election. There is simply zero proof the election results are inaccurate. In fact, in every venue where evidence had to be produced, an oath to tell the truth had to be taken, the former president failed to make his case. The idea that at this point in his presidency, Joe Biden has to still be taking a flamethrower to his predecessor is relished by his predecessor because it shows that Donald Trump is still the central pivotal figure in mm. Republican politics. And the symbol of that this week, Matt, didn't happen during the president's speech. It happened after it. When Nancy Pelosi convened the House of Representatives to uh, observe a moment of silence for the police officers who died as a result of the January 6th insurrection. There were only two Republicans in the chamber. Congresswoman Liz Cheney of Wyoming, considered a traitor by Donald Trump because she voted to impeach him, and she's also now on the committee investigating his culpability for January the 6th. But tellingly, she was flanked by former Vice President Dick Cheney, the man we used to think of as, you know, as right-wing as American politics got, once considered the Darth Vader of American politics. He was in the chamber to honour the dead and also to underscore just how far the Republican Party has drifted from its moorings, mm. symbolised as it was by the fact that there wasn't another Republican in the place because they're also terrified of brooking Donald Trump's disapproval. I mean, I was going to mention that image because that was, for me, the most shocking. Uh, the, the, the emptiness of the Republican benches in the House of Representatives. So can we now, you know, the question I always ask, and I'm sure you are as well, is, you know, could poss Don Donald Trump possibly run again? In a way, the question should be, you know, is the Republican Party um, a party that subscribes to the rules of democracy and is it completely in hoc to a man who wants to overturn them? Yeah, subscribes to the rules of democracy or even the basic principles of conservatism to which the Republican Party traditionally used to hew. I mean, if you look at the, the, the people from the Republican Party who got airtime this week, it's from the, the House of Representatives, at least, it's uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, it's Matt Gates. it's this kind of what we would previously have thought of as been absolutely the lunatic mm. fringe of American politics who have been completely mainstreamed within the Republican Party and now act as the party's spokespeople on major days like January the 6th. Um, it, 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 could Donald Trump run again? Absolutely he could run mm. again. But even if he doesn't run again, you've got other figures out there that may run, including Governor Ron DeSantis down in Florida. Himself a bit of a sort of a mini-me when it comes to uh, trying to emulate Donald Trump. So uh, the, the real issue here is that this remains a very viable 
vivid two-party political system between the Democrats and the Republicans. It is highly likely where things stand today that the Republicans are going to recapture control. I was going to say, so in the midterm elections, they will probably recapture control, certainly of the Senate, but also of the House, possibly. And then what happens if they do? Well, Mm. all the investigations into January the 6th either wrap up or, as some are suggesting, they start investigating the Democrats because there's this uh, conspiracy theory that it was all the Democrats mm. and, a, and a false flag operation by the FBI uh, that was behind uh, the events of January the 6th. So it's not even axiomatic that if they win control of Congress, then the investigations mm. of January the 6th wrap up and Donald Trump and his inner circle are off the hook. It may well be that suddenly you've got all sorts of Democrats, be it Nancy Pelosi perhaps even, and being, uh, you know, uh, targeted and accused of being the architects, entirely falsely, of the uprising that some within Donald Trump's inner circle have uh, again suggested was actually a false flag operation uh, by Antifa uh, uh, and other organizations. No evidence to support that whatsoever. So you've got this two-party system here, perfectly possible that the Republicans uh, become the majority party in Congress after November, maybe even recapture the White House in 2024, but growing anxiety over what exactly they stand for and what they would do in office. We'll be watching closely. Simon Marks, our Washington correspondent, as ever, thank you very much indeed for your analysis and thanks for getting up early. Next, we're going to remember Sidney Poitier and then we're going to talk to Robert Moore, my friend from ITV News, who was actually in the Capitol building a year ago when it was stormed. That's coming up at half past 12. I'm Matt Fry. This is LBC. The time is now 12.17.